Today's podcast is brought to you by Camper Kings. Coronavirus has got us all thinking about UK holidays and what better way to do that than in a camper van. Have the adventure of a lifetime in one of Camper Kings' high-end luxury camper vans. Check them out on Instagram at camperkings underscore nw or on the website at www.camperkings.co.uk. Prices start from just £85 per night, and for across-the-park listeners only, there's a free bottle of champagne and free insurance when you quote Across the Park. Welcome to Across the Park podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, hosted and produced by a group of friends from both sides of the park. We pride ourselves in bringing you the very best conversation from the ongoing matters at both clubs, providing banter and debate. We also release regular specials with guests connected to both clubs, providing insight and interviews never heard before. The back catalogue of these shows is available on our website, acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to hit subscribe to Across the Park Podcast on your favourite listening app and please give us a follow on our social media. Head over to Instagram or Twitter and search at Across the Park PC or Facebook, search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to episode 11 of Across the Park Podcast Season 2021. Myself, Milsey and Judgy, representing the Mighty Blues. And for the Red Men, Gary and Terry. We are going to get into the games. Two massive results for both teams last weekend and big games ahead. Before we do, Terry, let's bring you in first. Today we've heard from the government. and um, We don't want to get political on this show, but it does affect us. We've heard that Tier 2 from December 2nd, can have up to 2,000 fans attending live sport games, Tier 1, up to 4,000. Where we're from, and the two clubs affected, probably Tier 2 or 3, fingers crossed for 2. So what does that mean for us, 2,000 fans possibly back in at Anfield and Goodison? Well, listen, you know, I think we've said it many times on this podcast, haven't we, that, you know, we all want to get back to back to the game. Um, you know, it's a major part of our lives, our social lives and stuff, but it's got to be done, you know, properly and I mean, two thousand fans. That's not really going to touch the sides at somewhere like Hamfield, is it? You know what I mean. It's uh, and and the other thing is how you go about selecting which fans they are. You know, there was when it when it came out the first time, like I think it was around October. Spurs were basically going to flog them seats to the highest bidders, um, which I think is a is a pretty miserable way to do it. Really, um, I, I I don't know how the club will go about doing that. I think if you know, depends on how many game home games you've got left. What is it around? 10 games or something each or something something along them lines or 12 games or something you might be able to basically say you know divvy it up um, so everyone gets to one um, you know based on like say 50,000 divided by 12 or something like that but to, that was if it's 4,000 fans you can do that if it's 2,000 then it's still going to be half the fan base that don't even get to get to a game um, if that 2,000 stays for the long term so it's a it's it's a bit of a token gesture, you know. I think the clubs will go for it because they'll want fans by any way that they can to sort of, you know, try to start bringing in a little dribble of revenue um, and and return to some normality. But for me, it, it's like it's it's not really going to make that much of a difference. Um, I might get to go to one game probably before the end of the season, um, and then and then that's it. So it's you know, it's, it's better than not the trophy again. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> It, it it's at, at such a small level. I don't think it's going to be you know a massive massive difference to people. You know, and when you're not getting back to normal, are you? a normal game sort of routine. You're not going to the ale house with all your friends and family. You go to the game with or whatever. Um, so it's not it's not it's still not going to be the same, is it? 
you've mentioned Tottenham there, flogging the seats to the highest bidders, which which is corporate. I think every club is going to try and do that. Yeah, well, I, I think that's a pretty miserable way of doing it. That you know, all right, they pay the highest amount of money, but it's it, it, is that is that the best way to 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 utilize? I can see why the club would do it on a revenue basis, but you've also got to think what message that sends out to the average Joe Bloggs fan. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, you you count, but but not right now. You know what I mean? You're bottom of the priority pile. I think there's a better way to do it. I'd almost prefer that there's only, you know, if there's only two thousand seats, give them to local primary school kids and give them something to cheer about. You know what I mean? Something to go and do, and get maybe you know get them involved in in, in being fans of the club or something rather than just flog them to the highest bidders who are going to come and spend a couple of hundred quid on on ale and food or whatever as well. You know, I think on such a small level, lower level of fans, I'd rather the club sort of used it for the communities really and for the school kids and stuff rather than basically either create a two-tier system of the haves and have-nots or run it on some sort of lottery where you might get to go to the game on your bill, you know, and get to go to one game on your own before the end of the season. I'd rather they sort of give them to school kids who at the moment, let's be honest, are having a pretty miserable time in school where they can't even properly mix and stuff, so... You know what I mean? I, that, that's how that was my personal view on it. Like, it's a good news in a way, but it's it's not it's you know it's not really going to make much difference, is it? Judgey, just to get the um the polar the, the polar view, the blue side of things. Um, two thousand fans is best case scenario as it stands back into Goodison Park. How would you like to see the club distribute those tickets? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a polar view, is it? Because in this case, we're all football fans, and and and. Mm. Even more so with football fans from the same area. Um, I agree with Terry. I, I certainly wouldn't want to see it go down a corporate route where, you know, the 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 people who supposedly are best off in in society in general also get the better end of the stick in a in a in a you know in a situation where there shouldn't really be any preference. Um, I, I think if anything throughout this lockdown, I think it's brought a lot of communities and a lot of people together and made people appreciate and actually support people in their society a lot more. And I think there should be another opportunity to do that and extend that. Um, I think I think like giving it to the kids in primary schools and stuff, that would be me. Just looking at it from an atmospheric point of view, it would be a bit weird. It would be like a, remember the reserve games years ago? Where you can just hear like kids laughing and all that and like, come on! Yeah, that would yeah. be a bit weird. <laughs> but I, 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 I give it what it, the sentiment of you know the, the the people who maybe wouldn't get the opportunity to go to as many games um but i, I again I, i'm a, i'm at a loss to see how it's going to work and i'm also not relishing the thought of of being sitting sat on my own with a 10 seat gap to the next person who i don't even know anyway yeah and and sitting there you'd be kind of counting down the minutes to get off and go and see your mates or go <laughs> over to your family and you'd, you'd almost be thinking i want to watch it on the, i'd rather watch it on the telly well, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's what I mean. There's, it's just not going to touch the sides. Is it 2,000 fans in Anfield or Goodison? It's just like, you know. What, what? Yeah, I, I think the only thing I was saying last week, when, and, and it was like, it was a proposal that they're going to start reintroducing fans, is it's, it's just getting the ball rolling. And if they mm-hmm. need to use this as an experiment to say, look, we're just trying to get procedures right. And, you know, we're going to roll this out for two to four weeks or whatever. And then we're going to look to increase it, increase it, increase well, it. That's what I was going to say at the end. Looking at it from as take as much positive out of it as you possibly can. It's a step in the right direction for what we all want. We all want to yeah. be going back to match. We all want it mm. to return to as normal as we as possibly can. So if that means, as you say in there, 2,000, 4,000 beginning to, to go back, then... It's it's one of it's them. It's a step in the right direction. You can, yeah, yeah, you can and, see and, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and and 
you know, lo- the, the quicker that happens, the better. That's it, and that's what I was saying on, on last week's episode, and, and this news really hasn't changed that. I, I, I agree. I think there's we need to, or the clubs in the Premier League need to probably insist on the way that the, the tickets or whatever are distributed and, and have a standardised policy, because that's not right. One club being able to say we're doing corporate and another club being able to say we're doing it this way. I think there should be you know, an insistence on, look, this is the policy that we're insisting clubs use for this short period of time, hopefully. And then, you know, hopefully, we, we, as, as you say, we're, we're taking a step in the right direction towards getting back to something resembling normality. No, I think that's right. I think it's a step in the right direction. Guys, get involved. If you want to talk to us about that, it's Across the Park PC on Twitter, Across the Park PC on Instagram, get involved. But look, let's go on to the football, Judge. We'll start with ourselves. We were the first game this weekend. Uh, Fulham 2, Everton 3. For me, game of two halves and a full-time. I just felt relief. What about you? Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to start with the positives. It was three points. You know, we all said in, in, in the Everton groups and I think the general consensus among Everton fans going into the game was... We need three points. Um, you know, uh, not winning on on Sunday or certainly losing would have made it more of a negative start than it would have been a positive. We'd have lost more games than we'd have won, and you know it would have been a a really um, worrying um, trend of, of defeats. So um, yeah, uh, starting with the positive, it was a, it was a really good three points. You know. From a, 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 a results point of view, and and the first half was there was some outstanding football played in the first half, some of the best football I've seen for, for quite some time. And I think one thing I would say is it we didn't learn anything new about this Everton team on Sunday. We know we can score goals. We know when Richarlison's on the pitch, we hold you know a, a much more um we're a much more poignant threat than we are when he when he's not on the pitch. And and again um. We we look like we can score at will. I think at half time we had like seven shots on target, and all of them were decent chances. They weren't like you know pot shots from outside the area. They were all potential goals there. Um, so yeah, first half really positive. Um, slight blotch if you will on on the first half was the how, how easily um, you know Bobby over Reed or whatever is the middle is a hyphenated name is. They had five minutes, didn't they? They had five minutes, and, and they scored. So they didn't have five minutes, and it set us back a little bit. Yeah, and it, and it was the it was the manner of the goal as well. It was it was very very similar, I think, to Ward Prowse's goal inside the centre, you know, in between the centre back and full back, or you know, we were playing more like a back three or a back five, weren't we? But it was in that mm. gap on the outside of the centre backs, and Mina was just ridiculously slow, didn't pick him up, and never looked like getting there. Good finish from the lad, but a little bit of criticism for me should fall on, on Pickford as well. I thought he made the goal really big for him. You look at the angle and the way he would just score. When, when you look at it from that angle, what, what Reed's seen, it was just gaping hole on that side of the goal. I thought he either should have been a couple more yards off his line or, or stepping slightly to the other side. But listen, it was the defending. The defending was a little bit worse than the goalkeeping. Um, I, I didn't hear that many people pointing you know, in the media at the goalkeeper, which was unusual considering the way they've been in recent weeks. But yeah, that was a blotch on the first half performance, like you say. They only had like five minutes or or maybe ten minutes of pressure, and they scored in that time. And you know, while it was one one, you were you were not sure really for a period of time where you which way it was going to go the game. But mm. thankfully, our, our quality did show, um, and you know, we, we got the goals, and they were two brilliant pinpoint balls from Luca Dean, which. Yeah, and his form's been a little bit indifferent. You know, he's he's had really good spells, but since again, 
uh, Richarlison has been out the team. He's looked a little bit exposed and hasn't quite been as lively as he was early in the, mm. early in the season. But he, he was excellent from a, an attacking standpoint, certainly yesterday. I think a big blotch, and you're right on what you say there, a big blotch on our general play is when teams do come at us, nine times out of ten, we'll concede. But before we do move on to the negatives, I mean, the positives you said there, there were a few. Dominic Calvert-Loon's now got ten goals in the league alone. Alex Iwobi had probably his best game in the Everton shape. But for me, 40 seconds in, Richarlison is driving at the defence and we score. He is so important to this team, isn't he? Absolutely. He's done that a few times, picking the ball up just inside their half and that turn of pace and I spoke about it last week on the podcast literally the ability to or a player with the ability to receive the ball on the half turn and if they don't get tight enough to him just just go away from players at ease and it's mad because he's not he's obviously skillful but he's not Brazilian skillful is he he's just a powerhouse mm-hmm. he's got really good balance and he just goes past players because he, he he's got such a good turn of pace and acceleration and, and, and he's such a a real physical presence. He just seems to be getting more powerful every every week and, mm. and every every season he plays. I mean, you look at what he was like at Watford, and he was like not gangly, but he was a bit more like lean, wasn't he? He's like proper. Mm. He's a proper beast now. Um, and yet the he's a he's a man, he's a man isn't he? He's a yeah, man now, hundred percent. And and people forget, people forget he is only twenty three. Um, you know, so he he he's still you know he's still got a bit of I suppose man growth growth in him, um, but. As I say, he's, um, the difference he makes on it from an attacking standpoint is, is night and day. We just look like a different side, and um, and that, them middle periods or them the middle areas of the pitch or in between the lines, he, he's just got a, a knack of going past players. But like rightly saying, I don't want to kill one of the. We've had a few listeners who, who've, who've rightfully praised the performance of Alex Iwobi, and we'll probably come back to that later. But he's another person who, who deserves some credit from from the game yesterday. Yeah, I mean, before we do move on to Awobi, what I did want to say is, I mean, you spoke on Sunday on on, uh, on WhatsApp, Richarlison. I think he's one of those players that when he does leave Everton, we're going to mourn it for seasons unless we replace him. You look at his contribution at the other end of the pitch, when Fulham had that five or ten minutes, he was in there fighting, battling away. You, you go back to, and I'm not I'm not condoning this, the, the Thiago injury and the red card, it's caused by Richarlison being in our area fighting in a Merseyside derby for, for this club he, he, he's so important he's determined he's determined to, to, to be successful at this club and, and look we've got no no illusions if he continues to develop the way he is he's not going to be at Everton like you say for longer than maybe t- two seasons but he's not going to leave without you know, being able to say to the fans listen I fought tooth and nail to try and get yeah, that absolutely. club where I thought I could get them, and 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 certainly even you know even when he went through the spells last season or the season before when people are going he sulks he sulks he sulks because he's a winner he wants to win so desperately and I've got no problem with that and 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 I think the 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 comments from me and Craig in the past have been you wanting to channel it as aggression and stuff like that and but you could never criticise his work rate you can criticise him sulking at times and and what impact that potentially has on the players around him but I believe that the players know what he's like, they know his temperament and they know why he's sulking and he ten- generally sulks mm. when he thinks that we should be playing better or, you know, the players around him are not really playing to his level because, you know, yeah. we've, I think you said it in, in the WhatsApp group last week that he, his stock has risen since he's been suspended because we've realised mm. the importance of him to the team and certainly his teammates do as well. Um, I think he'd be disappointed to a certain extent to, to have not got a goal. There was a few like scruffy finishes that, where the ball was bouncing around in the area. But likewise, he's, he's forced a, a brilliant save from the keeper where he's tipped it round the post. I think he, 
he made that himself where he, he went past two or three players before it. But like you say, he, he's players like him and 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 Hamas Rodriguez and Anna Wobi, the way he plays on Sunday, make it so difficult for defenses because they can't. You know, once you do take a player out the game, wherever that is on the pitch, it makes the other team disorganised because they then have to commit a player to the ball and it creates options off the ball. And when we talk about our goals, because it's only fair to do so before we move on, we spoke about the contribution of, of um, Luca Dean, but a lot of people have seemed to conveniently overlook the, the contribution of Hamas Rodriguez again. He's coming for criticism because mm-hmm. of the fact that he got took off and we're going to talk about the second half in a minute, but... His contribution can't be overlooked for for the for the second and third goal. He's the man who, who who's when the balls come into him, like you said, Mills, you're fair before players run. As soon as he picks the ball up, they start making the runs because they know he'll find them. And he's the one who found Luca Dean with two really good and well timed, perfectly timed passes. They were exactly in, right on his left foot, and they were plays at the time when he drew defenders into him, and when Luca Dean had the maximum amount of 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 space. And if, if anyone wants to criticise the contribution of Hamas Rodriguez, which you can from a shape point of view and from a defensive point of view, and, and we'll go on to that in a bit, but watch those goals back and tell me that he is, a, he is a massive part of both of those goals. And and also tell me another player we've got in our squad who would have been able to play those passes with the level of precision and, and timing that he did. I think a lot of our players look to him all the time and, and he was doing things on Sunday, which were you had to really look in depth, like you're saying there, he, he had the assist to the assist. You've got to really look for that as a neutral fan or someone who's not an Evertonian. You've got to really look for that. So that bypasses some fans. But to me, that just shows how influential he's become in his team at such an early stage. Yeah, look, look, whatever level of football you play at, you, you know when you're playing with a player who's who's the next level up and his quality. And, and, and like you say, you can see from the actions and reactions of the players when he's in possession, they they're expecting a pass. They they know a ball's coming. Richarlison comes alive. The runs he makes, and and they seem to have a really good understanding. Maybe it's the South American thing. Maybe it's just the fact that, as we've alluded to before, the by far the best two players, attacking players, in terms of raw quality and ability that we've got. But they, they're on the same level. They're on the same wavelength. Um, but yeah, as you rightly say, he, he has brought it up a notch. And and I think if either of them are missing. And, and and to a certain extent, Hamas Rodriguez has been missing from a fitness point of view, and, and we'll come on to it in a moment. But you know, if if either of them's not on the team or not firing, you certainly won't see the same level of penetration from Everton as, as we did at times on Sunday. Yeah, we don't want to spend too much time on things because our, our red friends have got a game to cover. We've got a game to preview. We've got some social media questions. But you mentioned there, Judgy, Alex Awobi. Now he started the game on Sunday. We weren't sure when we see the team whether he was a ten. A number seven, but he ended up like a number two, a, a wing back, and he had he had his best game for us. He was outstanding. Um, you know, he, he's been something of, of an enigma for for Evertonians and 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 was for Arsenal fans like trying to work out what does he do, where where does where do his qualities lie? I don't know if um, Ancelotti had watched them for Nigeria in the in the international break, but he, you know, he scored a brilliant goal for them where he took three or four yeah. players on, and I don't know if he thought. I don't know. I mean, whether it was just a fact it was horses for courses and he knew he was going to play, you know, wing-backs and he thought, I don't think John Joe Kenny's good enough going forwards. I think Alex Iwobi deserves a chance there because he's got the physical attributes to get up and down. But like you say, whatever the reason, he was outstanding. Um, you know, we've got to temper it by saying Fulham, potentially one of the better sides to play against in that position. They're not particularly strong in the, in the, in the, you know, the full-back areas. I personally think Anthony Robinson's a poor player. Um, 
and, and I know that some Evertonians were doubting why he was sold. I wasn't. I don't think he's good enough at this level, but he gave him a torrid time. Um, absolutely, mm. you know, tore him a new backside or, you know, a, a few times on him at the weekend. But it was great to see him just playing with confidence and, 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 and making good decisions. That was the best thing about it. He's got everything, Awobi, in his locker, but he's, he's got it in little pieces and he, and he hasn't been able to put it together. He's got good dribbling skills. He's got a good delivery when he chooses to put it in and when when he plays it at the right time. I, I said early in the game, to use in the WhatsApp group, his, his delivery early in the game was outstanding. It deserved an end product. It didn't quite get that. But then, you know, later in the game, he's shown at the right time when to, when to dribble as well, going past players. And, and again, he was a big part of, I think it was the second goal, wasn't it? Or the, or the third. But he, he took two or three players out the game before finding... Um, Hammers who then find Lucadine, but great to see. And look, we like to be positive as Evertonians, despite the um, despite the, the reputation that we've got at times for, for wanting to, what you know, having a go with players. Um, it was great to see him playing well for the change. Yeah, now look, before we do move on to the second half, the second half was, was for me, that's where the negatives came. But two quick questions, Judgy, for you. The first one being Alex Wolby playing right wing back, where does that now leave? John Joe Kerry, who was overlooked, not even on the bench mm. when Seamus Coleman's injured. And the second question is, we've been talking at length about the conundrum of the third-choice central midfielder. Is this now the formation that takes that question away from us? Firstly, I, 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 sadly, I don't think John Joe Kenny's got a future at the club, if we're going to be really short about it. Um, you know, He has a good se- a breakthrough season, if you will, at Schalke last season, where he's played at a good level. Played regularly week in, week out. I was excited to see him come back. Everyone wants a boy as Evertonian to do well. Um, but I likened, I liked, likened it yesterday to the jo- uh, John Flanagan situation at Liverpool. He's just not quite. Liverpool stepped up. I think while John jo- uh, John Flanagan was injured, he came back in and just didn't seem like he was part of it um, anymore or, or was at the level. It's similar to John Joe Kenny. He's come back and... You know, the level or the expectations is probably the better way they've gone up around and the manager's expectations are higher than what we've had before and I don't think he's he's meeting them expectations. So sadly I don't think he's got a future. Okay. And um, the second question there, did the, the conundrum of we've been saying Sigurdsson, Gomez, Delph Davies, uh, none of them <laughs> played on Sunday and instead we had a new formation. Do you think that's where we're now going to move forward with three at the back and wing backs. Um, I said, I said, if we've got the full complement of centre backs, it would be something he'd look at. I was surprised, I'll admit, that he went with that on Sunday, and I don't think it was a surprise that we did come unstuck at times defensively, and we looked a bit shaky. You know, we had Mina was away with Colombia, so we wouldn't have been able to work on it with him. You had Michael Keane who was away with England, and you had Godfrey who was away with the twenty ones. So they maybe spent mm-hmm. one day together working on that. So I'm not surprised that there was the the lack of um, fluid or there was a lack of, you know, solid defending going on there and, and, and they weren't on the same page. But I don't know. I, I think, like I said last week, Ancelotti would like to have options in, in the way that he sets his team up. And we've certainly seen that since the start of the season anyway. I think he's he's seen that he's got, op- got options now because he's got, you know, defenders missing. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, it's something for him to think about. I'm not sure. I mean, the midfield side of it, it was certainly, from an attacking point of view, some of the best we've seen. But, you know, in the second half, we looked really, we really struggled. And we've had some messages about the performance of James Rodriguez. I, I've just, 
you know, identified. I don't think that's very fair, but certainly in the second half, he struggled as an individual trying to live up to the expectations of a, of, of a centre midfielder when you're being overran. He didn't really know what to do. He, he couldn't couldn't get himself into a position where he was dealing with the, the threat of the extra numbers and, and it was the right thing to bring Tom Davies on when he did. So, answer is, I think, you know, we will see that more often than not. Um, but I'm not sure we'll see it every game. I think it'll depend on who we're playing. Fair enough. Uh, we will move on to the Reds uh, very shortly. But, Judgey, you mentioned there at the start there were some some negatives. I don't think any Evertonian watching that game on Sunday was comfortable in the second half. We looked really vulnerable. We looked like Fulham could score at, at a lot of occasions, really. What do you put that down to? Is it a lack of game management? Is there experience? Is it leadership? What What is it? I think it's all those things. You just, you just nailed it, really. Experience, game management, leadership is what we're desperately lacking in that team. I think he brought Sigurdsson on to try and bring some of that. And he seems to have this idea in his mind that Sigurdsson's some kind of leader and positive influence. But, yeah, it, it is all of those things. We Doesn't are definitely sure. Every manager has that opinion of Sigurdsson. Everyone yeah, can put him I, in the just, team and give him a goal. That's what I mean, and, and and that's why I'm not saying that's why I'm I'm quick to defend him because I, I I was defensive defensive of him last season, but there must be something there. Do you know what I mean? There must be something on the training ground that he does regularly that convinces managers that he's a positive influence on that team, um, because he brought him on at a crucial stage and. Like him all over them, he, he did seem to have a positive influence on the team. It did slightly, you know, whether we did weather the storm towards the end. I said to you, Millsy, with 15 minutes to go, there's no way we're holding out here. And somehow we did. Um, and to be fair, it wasn't as as nervy in the last five as I thought it might have been. Um, but yeah, it, it is concerning. I would like to think, and I said this last week, so I'm, I'm not just, you know, coming out with it. Willy and Illy and they're making it up to you know making it up to to suit my point, but I do think that with more time on the training ground with those three centre backs or whoever the centre back or defensive you know personnel are, with more time and more of them fit for you know more often than not, we will get it right. I'm confident the manager can do that. Have we got that experienced head at the back? Probably not, and that's the biggest concern. Can he do? Can he manage to keep clean sheets with the personnel we've got there? Only time will tell. But you're right; it was it was far too nervy towards the end for me, for my liking, and for all Evertonians' likings. But to be positive and to come back to a positive point, it was a win. We needed the win. Again, next yeah. week will tell us a lot more as to whether he is going to have to dip into that window again in January and look for that experienced head, or whether. We have got the, the the personnel to be able to to progress it from a defensive point of view. Yeah. Okay. Myself and Judgey will be looking ahead to Leeds United at home for Everton on Saturday. But let's bring the Reds straight back in. Terry, start with yourself. Myself and Judgey just said there we were watching the second half, almost behind um, behind our eyes, fearing the worst. I've never heard a build up to a Liverpool game with, with such worry. Now, now you had massive injuries last week, and I think a few years. Phil was on the radio, Liverpool Liverpool Live Radio, on Saturday morning with myself, and he wasn't confident. But three 0 Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think possibly overegging a little bit. Like you, you haven't seen us going into a game with so much fear. I mean, I think there was a little bit of trepidation because naturally, you know, we, when you're missing as many players as we are, um, you, you're sort of going into them games. You're playing against Le- a Leicester side who, who are flying in the league this season. I think they've won all their games away. They absolutely tonk City. So, you know, you, there's an element of that um, that, that you sort of thinking, well, this could be a, a, a little bit of a tricky one. But I wouldn't say I was going into the game with like massive fear. We, we, we had got some positive news on the injury front. Um, 
you know, uh, uh, before the game. So we knew that th- there was every chance that we were going to have Matip Fabinho available. Um, I think it was a little bit of a question as to whether um, Nat Phillips would partner Matip or not. Um, but I think in the main, you know, the, the, I, I was still I was still reasonably confident. Leicester were missing players as well. Um, but I, it was more for me what what approach we took to the game. Because with Vardy, you know, he... he if we played that high line that we've seen, you know, at times this season, less so now since we've lost Van Dyke, but if we played the high line, I thought it was so dangerous, you know, against the player of his, his pace and, and, and sort of tenacity. But as it happens, as you said, there, it, it, I don't want to sort of like sound trite about it, but it was it was easy. It, I, I couldn't believe how, 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 how easy we made it look, to be honest. I think it was a brilliant performance. Do you think that? Yeah, I think going into it, I said last week I was a bit mixed on it. I was a bit worried because obviously Leicester are, are, are being touted as you know potentially going to be up there towards the end of the season. They, they could be a big challenger again, and and so far they have played well. They've they've scored goals, they've won games, and they they were you know rightfully top of the league for how they've been playing and stuff. And with us, it was you know as you said there the, the the players we've got missing. But for me, it's not just the amount of players we've got missing; it's the act, it's what the player who the players are. You know, we've got Trent, who's who's been our top assister for the last two seasons running. We've got Gomez and Van Dijk, who, well, Van Dijk in himself is the best centre-back in the league. You've got Henderson, who's our captain, who, who's integral to our midfield. You've got the, the Marquis sign and the Thiago out. You've got the top goal scorer out with the, with his COVID test. And then on top of that, you've even got like Oxley chamberlain Shaqiri. You've got all these players missing who are big, big players. And probably, and Gomez as well, not, not forgetting Gomez. You look at them eight players who have named, probably getting most teams in the league in the yeah. first team. You yeah. know, it, it's it's one of them where it, it was it, it was it, on paper it was certainly going to be a tough game. You know, you're going into that. You, you've got the records hanging over your head as well, which then things you, you don't like going into big games where it's like you can break your own records and things like that. It's you had everything sort especially, of especially since Le- Leicester were the side that broke it last time. Where they have to yeah, exactly. games in the league, it was it was Leicester in eighty one. So it was like oh, one of them, one of them sort of omens. Yeah, and and so yeah, I say going into it, it was there was a little bit of worry, but at the same time, at the end of last week, I predicted four two Liverpool. So you know, I, I kind of been overly worried, but it, it was one of them games. Going off what you said there, it, it did look easy, and for me, it's it shows how good the, the squad depth actually is now. You know, you, you're looking at. You're looking at players there who don't play all the time. You've got Curtis Jones, you've got Naby Keita, who we who we barely we've barely seen over the past two years since since he signed. You've got Jota, who's obviously started really well, but coming into the team, he knows he knows he's got to perform with our top goal scorer being out. You've got Milner playing right back, and he was for me it was that that was going to be a bit of a worry because we, Phil's pointed out in the past when he's come up against players who are, who are pacey and who can try and knock it past and get rounds them and things like that he has struggled at times but the, the performance he put in there was, was exceptional not on short of exceptional it, he, he was for me well to be fair I was going to say he could have easily been man the match I don't know who actually got it but to be fair any one of the players could have been I thought I don't think you could point at one single player and say they, they didn't perform I thought they were yeah. all brilliant yeah, I don't disagree, really. I mean, it, there, there was some top, top performances all the way through the sides. I, I think Milner, you know, by far and away was the man of the match. He, not only, you know, was he was he brilliant in playing in right-back, 
he then got moved into the midfield when Katie went off injured. You know, he was brilliant. And his first action since getting when he got moved into midfield was to put Marnie through on goal, I think, if I remember rightly. So, yeah. do you know what I mean? Some of his passing last night was 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 brilliant. You know, it was through balls and stuff and there were, his use of the ball. I thought it was a real sort of captain's performance, you know, in terms of like not just versatility, but playing at, at a serious level as well. So, he just con- continues to sort of confound, you know, like uh, you, you look at his age and stuff, but, he, you know, he, he never lets us down. I think we had a listener, didn't we, put a question into us the, the other week who basically said, like, should we go looking for another James Milner in, in the transfer window? <laughs> and I think I said at the time, good luck finding one because he just shows you, you know, that that's why he's so diff- he's going to be so difficult to replace because he is so versatile. Well, I've seen, a, I've seen a tweet straight after the game and it, and it was someone basically saying, James Milner is the best free transfer in the history of football, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but I reckon I might be in their corner, to be honest. Um, it, 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 it absolutely is. You know, it was a worldly chance. It's been it's proven to be a world world class transfer, bit of business. But um, but no, it, it was a brilliant performance for me, and, and as you say, right across the the team. I mean, it, it, it for me, it, what what I think sort of happened to Leicester is. I don't know whether I'm being like a bit a, a bit sort of unfair on Leicester. I feel like they've maybe only got one way to play, you know, in, in terms of like they, they want to use them balls over the top and use Vardy's pace and stuff. And I think once once we got ahead in the game, it's almost like, well, their idea of counter-attacking, you know, and sort of hitting on the break, getting in behind, it takes that away a little bit, you know, because we can be more compact then, you know, like drop back and basically pick them off. And it's like they I don't know what they just seem to play in front of us when they did have the ball. You know, they didn't really have any answers to to, to how you know we dropped the line maybe five yards compared to what we what we've been playing, you know, when we've got Van Dyke available yeah. and Gomez. And all of a sudden it was like, well, yeah, we're we're compact and we're willing to work dead hard and we're ahead. So it's it, it's almost like Quez, what have you got? And if I feel like they they haven't got that other dynamic, that other you know, that other way of, of, yeah. of, of beating teams. I think that that working really hard is a, is a big point to make because I'll, I'll be honest, going into the game, seeing the midfield of Wijnaldum, Curtis Jones and Cater, I, I was I was worried whether you'd get the, the work rate required out of Cater and Jones. Maybe as a, as a two, you'd get enough, but I was thinking individually, you know, you, you've normally got Henderson there who works as hard as anyone on the pitch. Wijnaldum was obviously going to do as, as usual, put his usual shift in. And Fabinho, who, who again works as hard as, as most others, Seeing them too, I thought that they could get a bit caught out with how much work we need them to get through. But it was it was absolutely not not to be seen. They were, the pair of them put such a good shift in, the, and not just not just putting a shift in. Um, what's the word? It was intelligent as well, and how they're yeah. doing it. It's how it's how we want them to play. It's how we want them to 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 show themselves. So that we know we can rely on them in future games, and and now if you know if it comes to a spell where they're going to get a bit of a run in the game. Well, obviously, Cater's not if he's injured again, but you know, with Jones, if he's going to get a bit of a run in the team, you know, he can put them sort of performances in where it's not just the easy on the eye going forward. He can put a shift in the midfield and and, and close down and, and do it intelligently to to make sure we win the ball back in the right areas and, and put us on the front foot. It's yeah, it's really good to see. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think with Cater, you know, I think it's the minimum you should expect anyway from a sixty million pound player. But for Curtis Jones, I thought it was a very mature performance. You know, one like as you say, it wasn't just all about his nifty footwork and stuff. It was, it was intelligent and applied. You know, pressure where it was needed yeah. and, and press, and and he did work hard and he didn't look out of place. And and I think you, you you've you've nailed it there when you say that like you know 
It it was the performance you want to see if you want to be able to rely on him to come and play in this team. He didn't look like a kid, you know what I mean? Who's who's sort of getting given a chance. He he looked like a squad member, you know, like a proper yeah. Well, yeah, he's just another name that we can use, you know. And and he came in, no fuss, done a job, um, and done it well. So I think it was a you know a a, a real sort of not a graduation for him because obviously he's become you know an established team member, squad member anyway, but. I think it was a it was a good one for him, um, you know, to sort of like really sort of say I am I am a, a you know a usable part of this squad, not not just a kid yeah. who's there to sort of like get a couple of goals. Um, so no, it it, it, it was really good, with and I, I think you know if we're just sort of talking about players, I don't think again we can we can not talk about Jota. I, I, every single game that I see him now, you know, like I, I I just think his movement is phenomenal. You know, he, he caused so many problems early on. He just couldn't live with him. He was running in behind all the time and they, they just didn't know how to pick him up. You know what I mean? And I thought, yeah. he just looks so lively. And he's, he's, he's finishing. is just boss, isn't he? Yeah. And he, he's like, he doesn't try and force anything. So it's like, if it's, if a little movement isn't on or if when he's got the ball at his feet, if, he, if, if trying to take someone on isn't really the best option, he'll just play it simple and, and, and bring others into the into the game, which is what we do. You know, we, we tend to switch it across the play, across the pitch quite quickly and, mm-hmm. and quite regularly until we find that little opening or maybe have a chance to, to sort of go for goal. And, and he's he's got that down to a T straight away. But when he has got it, he glides past, play, past, past players so easily as well. Mm-hmm. It's like It's like he's not even running quickly. He's just... He just does it with such ease, and yeah, oh, he's just you, you can't really you can't really overpraise him at the moment because, as you're saying, his, his movement, his finishing, every everything about his game so far for us has just been exceptional. Yeah, I'm not that. I just it's it's still early days, but at the moment it just looks like such a snip. It's hard not to get carried away when, it is. when he's playing this way, isn't it? It is. It's just so hot at the moment. Scoring, you know, every game. And and as you say, everything else that's going about around him, it, it it isn't just oh I'm in the box at the right time and getting on the ends of things, you know I'm in a hot streak. He's making goals, you know, happen because of the way that he plays the game. And it's just long may it continue. It's what we've it's what we've tried out for, isn't it? For, yeah. for a, like a year or eighteen months or something, where we thought if Salah and Mane aren't at it where the way you need them to be, you've got someone there who's who's pushing them. And, and at the moment, it's like. Who are you dropping? Because Jota can't come off the team. No, no, absolutely. Boys, can I just ask you this from a, a neutral point of view? Um, I've heard for years, Firmino gives you something that no one else could. He's the, the special ingredients for Mane and Salah. But now you've got another goal scorer in there and you're pairing over him. So so what do you do? Well, I think Gary's just said there, it's the question of who do you drop? And to be honest, I, I thought I thought Firmino... I thought his all-round play was okay last night. It's just it looked like he wasn't going to be. I was going to say we you, you've heard us say in the last few weeks and months on the pod that he, he's he sort of dropped off what he normally does for me, you know, and he hasn't been shown what we what we're used to and what we want to see from him. I think last night was a, a step in the right direction again to to what he what we are what we were used to certainly. Um, his movement was a lot better. His his passing was a lot better. His you know his keeping the possession was a lot better. His tackling was a lot better than it has been recently. You know, and then you know he did create a couple of chances himself as well. Which until he got his goal, it looked like it was never going to happen for him. But you know, he he started last night was it was a, certainly a, a big step in the right direction for Firmino to to get back to his best. Long may that continue. But yeah, I, I, I take I take your point, Millsy. It's it is one of them. It is a bit of a conundrum for us what to do with with them now because 
he's shown in the what games it where he plays all four. Uh, Atlanta away, you know. Yeah, they, they had. Is it Man, Man City away? Was it? Oh, it was Man City. City yeah, yeah. Had, yeah. We, we didn't have much options to be fair with the the injuries and and things like that. So he did. He just threw all all four of them on, dropped Firmino back a little bit, and and that worked well. So there's no there's no saying that he won't he won't continue to do that in some games. I, I can't see it being regularly. I can't see it being every game, but I, I certainly wouldn't be adverse to seeing it in some games. No. Well, I, I think for me, it's like, uh, I think when we've said that, Millsy, I, I think what you're missing is that maybe this Liverpool team's developed as well. You know, it's got more more facets to it now. So whereas Firmino was the key to all of that, and then it sort of, we mentioned it on the pod, I think it was last season or the, the start of last season, maybe that Firmino factor was, you know, defenders were following them out less and, and we were getting less space for Salah and Mane to run into. I think the Liverpool team then evolved a little bit because it started to use more of the wing-back supply and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't think we're in the same position as we were two years ago, where two seasons ago, where he was like the absolute fulcrum of everything that was happening. I think still think he's an incredibly important part of this Liverpool attack. Um, but you know, I've gotten the the thing is, I think Salah, Mane, Jota, and Firmino are all good enough to play anywhere across that front line. And I think in Jota now we found an ingredient where we wouldn't be worried if Firmino did come out. Or if a Salah went up top, or a Mane went up top, and a Jota went on the wing, there's so much flexibility and, and and dynamism between them four that you know, as Gary just said, they can even use Firmino as an advanced midfielder, which we have done. So I think it's just good to see Firmino getting back, you know, to putting a performance in where we start to think, you know, he, he, you know, he, he isn't sort of finished, and 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 you know, we need to get him out the side. You know, he's got his goal there. He looked a lot more confident. He looked a lot more involved. Um, and it could literally be, you know, that he just needs it, get that monkey off his back. And maybe Jota coming in has given him a bit of a kick up the arse, you know, and, and competition is, is is maybe pushing him a little bit again. So uh, it's it, it's a nice situation to be in, I think, you know, it, it, and, and you, in this compressed season with the amount of injuries that play that teams are getting and the amount of fixes that you're having to play, all four of them are going to get used. So I don't think it's a case of Firmino out, Jota in, and that's that's it now. That's a that's an established three of Jota, Salah, and Mane. I think it's a case of three from four, and and you pick what's available, or you pick according to your needs for whatever game you're playing. And you know, it, it's a really nice situation for us to be in that we've got four what look like you know maybe I'm speaking a bit presumptuous on Jota, but at the moment he's in world class form. But we've certainly got three world class strikers as well. You know, and and you know, I think a lot of teams would be envious about that. Um, so I'm I'm certainly not complaining. Well, like I started out by saying with, with Jota, it's what we've been crying out for for a while now that 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 other option because we we we've always talked that Rigi was never good enough to yeah. to be able to come in and deputise for, for for like spells or for big games. Uh, likewise with Shakiri, he was always in and out, whether it was injury, whether it was form, whether it was falling out with Klopp or whatever it was. We needed that other option that was going to be able to you're going to be able to rely on. And as you say, at the moment, without without trying to get carried away because it's it's easy to with how he's how he's been. It's it's looking like we've we found someone who can do that for us. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Well, look, it's Monday. We're recording. Uh, the Liverpool scoreline wasn't really the big fallout from the game. The fallout was that Sky Sports didn't show an interview with Jurgen Klopp. Um, it's been leaked online. He was very very adamant and and sort of not angry, but he was animated. He wants five substitutions. He's animated at the meet, at the broadcasters saying that Wednesday night football, if you play Wednesday night, you shouldn't play 12.30 Saturday, which I think we're all in agreement with. But he's animated, and he's the most animated. Um, there's some fallout in relation to that. 
where do you stand in, first of all, five substitutes? The EFL have brought it in. Is it time for the Premier League to bring it in as well? Yeah, for me, right. Originally, when they were talking five substitutes, I was against it because I thought it's going, it, it, you know, it's unfair on the teams with smaller squads. Um, and I thought, you know, the the likes of us and City and stuff, it's all well and good having five subs. We've got really deep squads, so it's like, you know, it, it, you'd think it would benefit the bigger sides. So I was a little bit like, no, I don't think we need it. I don't think I quite appreciated how, how demanding this sort of relentless schedule is on the players. And then with the stupid international breaks still getting, you know, getting put in, they haven't been bombed. You know, it's a big ask for a lot of these sides now, and you can just see the number of injuries that we're having. And not just us, you know, I've just mentioned Leicester there. And as Klopp, you know, mentioned, I've seen that interview. I, I, I sent it around the lads when I first seen it last night. And I've seen the full one. I think it's about five minutes long. And he absolutely goes off on it. And and his point is, you know, he got criticised originally, I think, by Chris Wilder, the Sheffield United manager, who basically was saying that bigger clubs are just thinking about their own selfish interest in wanting five. And Klopp makes a point in the interview of saying, you know, they'll call me selfish. They'll say, oh, I'm thinking about Liverpool. And he says, I don't, I'm not thinking about Liverpool. I'm thinking about the welfare of players. And he's making that point clear. And, and he says, I want you to understand, I'm not thinking about just my own players. And he, he cites a, um, the lad at um, Arsenal, the young lad, um, who got injured. It looks like a serious knee injury because he plays all three in the international break. He, he named another player and, and he said, you know, it isn't just Liverpool who are suffering these injuries. It's everyone. And he basically makes the point that broadcasters, he says, we're in this unholy bargain where basically, you know, we're contractually obliged to play games that you select the times of and the days and use a picking ridiculous times and, and squashing this this calendar even more. And Jeff Shreve tries to make basically say it isn't just the broadcasters, but Klopp says it and he says it is. He says because at the end of the day, if you ask the managers right now, they all agree on, on five subs. He said, but in 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 with the broadcasters are basically saying there's contractual obligations and he said if anyone says that to me again i'm going to go berserk he said because covid has changed everything you can't just rely on the contractual terms and fall back on them everyone else has had to change in football the schedule has to change he says to you know to accommodate what is a already a ridiculously compressed season so i think he's got a fair point you know originally as i say a five subs i wasn't on board with but i think he's got a point you can see the number of injuries it's way up you know compared to historical records so something's going on and you've got to think about the welfare of these players yeah well, well do you know do you know who should be thinking do you know who should be thinking about the the welfare of the players the sports science department and the sports science department should be advising when players shouldn't play there's more than enough technology in the game now to know when players have reached the threshold where they're more likely to get injured. So you can blame the broadcasters all you want, but that's the same for every single club at the moment in that league. You've got to make the responsible choice or your sports scientists or medical departments have got to make the responsible choice for the players to say you should be resting now. No, no, I see. But I, I think you're wrong. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. It isn't. It, he, he's saying I can ask a player, you know, I can, or a player can, can say to me, I'm fit. And and they want to play, and he's like, "What what what can I no, do but to, to tell a player you're not no, fit?" That stuff. I mean, I'm not. I'm not I'm and not what he's saying is, what, what he's saying is, I know what he's saying. saying no, what he says in in the actual interview is, he said, "You can lose a game. It happens. You know, you lose games or whatever." He said, "But you, 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 he's basically making the point that you almost can't afford to lose. You can't just throw players in as as if oh, you're a kid. You can go in as long as you're wearing the shirt. And we've got a team out." That's all that matters," he said. "You, you know, you, you're playing to win games, so 
sports science department can't tell you when someone's knees about to collapse is or blow out, can he? Do you know what I mean? It might tell you when a player's tired. It's not. No, they can tell you when. No, no one can ever say that, but they can certainly tell you without a shadow of doubt when there's a higher chance and a, a much higher chance of a player getting injured. So what he's saying is, I want to be able to play my best players. That's what he's saying, and that's what every manager wants. But he's, that that that's the. In all fairness, looking at looking at a, a different club, if you look at Man United when they played against Jews, they, they played a game on was the Wednesday or the Thursday, and then had the game Saturday morning. Yeah. And yeah. Oli came out and had he had a big rant after the game. He didn't say nothing before, but after the game he had a big rant, and rightly so as well because that was a farce. There's no reason why the sched the scheduling the the broadcasters, which is what Klopp's going on about, can't put that Man United v Everton game on. Saturday evening or Sunday evening, they'll still play that weekend, but have that bigger gap, have that extra two or three days in between, two days, where they, they can have a bit of, at least a day's recovery time before having to go back on the training pitch and go back into a, a full full 90-minute game. For us this week, we just played Sunday night, right? quarter past seven kickoff. we're playing on Wednesday in the Champions League and then we're playing at our 12 on Saturday. It's like, what, 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 you know, what are you asking players to do here? They like, put them games as close together as they can possibly be. It's ridiculous. And then, and then that's not even in the, in the December schedule. And the point he's making is he's not talking just about us. It's happening to everyone. And as Gary's just said, they're to, to Man U. It's like the whole thing is just mad when you've already compressed the season so dramatically. You're still doing internationals. The broadcasters have to change. You can't just go on their own sort of, oh, yeah, but you're playing at R12 because we want that game on. It's like there has to be some sort of, you know, move with the times and understand the situation and the environment that we're in. You can't look at the injuries and, and basically say it's the club's fault. They've, they, they, you know, they've got to put a team out and they've got to put a team out to win. It's a high stakes game. You know, you can't just basically, oh, yeah, we, you know, do what we've done with the club when we were away with the club where a couple just throw all the kids out because we need to put a team out. We don't care if we win. Of course, we care if we win. So, it is, he isn't just talking about himself, and you can see that you know it, the passion that he feels. It, it isn't about just Liverpool players; it's about footballers in general. And he's talking on behalf, I think, of everyone. Um, and I don't think I, I, I think apparently they had a, they had a meeting, didn't they? The managers all had a, a virtual meeting or whatever, and fifteen out of the out, out of twenty um, basically said yes to five subs, which is different than the original, which was eleven to nine against. So you can see that other managers have changed their minds on it as well. It isn't just Klopp. But at the moment, they're at the beholden to the broadcasters. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, as I say, I, I just personally think the, you know, I, I accept that your points there certainly on the broadcasting side of it, but it it, ju- it just seems to me like it, you know th- th- there's also enough resources that you've got at the at the top clubs, certainly at the very top level, and I'm talking about all the Premier League clubs that you. <laughs> You're in a position to deal with it and to make a decision. It's not like you're being absolutely held to, you know, you're being held to not held to ransom, but you're being held against the, you know, by the net and saying play your best players every week and we'll wait for them all to break down. You can make a decision and you can take the the welfare of the, the you know the the players, and and I'm take it out of their hands and go look, you're not playing because you played X amount of games in this period of time, but. As I say, he's in a better position than, than me to, to have a rant, but that, that's my side of it. Okay. Okay, guys, let us let, let us know who you agree with. Is, is it with Judgy? Is there more responsibility on the sports science of the clubs, or do you agree with Terry? Are the broadcasters should be more held to right? We are going to get to Gary, who's going to become our Chris Tarrant this week for the social media section. Before we do that, boys, it's Christmas. Look after yourselves.
Boys, we have all been there. Whether tonight's the night or we're unexpectedly sprung into action, there is nothing worse than checking downstairs and seeing a full-on George W. But lads, do not fear. Us boys at the podcast have got you covered. Head straight on over to uk.manscaped.com. Manscaped are the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Lads, we all have to landscape down south every now and then. And in order to avoid any absolute catastrophes, we've teamed up with the very best. Precision, skin safe and innovative in design, power and hygiene. Waterproof technology, up to 19 minutes of battery life and of course, the very, very fancy LED light allowing a closer, precise grooming experience. Manscaped provides the very best tools in allowing us boys to keep things well and truly in order south of the border, including the brand new just released Lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped have just launched in the UK and we at Cross the Park are excited to be able to help you boys out in experiencing some truly life-changing products. UK.manscaped.com and input our exclusive code at checkout. Park 20. P-A-R-K 2-0. That will give you guys 20% off as well as free shipping. And girls, trust me, we feel your pain as well. There could be nothing worse than dishing out that token and expecting to see Phil and Grant, but seeing a couple of Robbie Savages instead. Do yourself a favour and your man a favour. UK.manscaped.com Park 20 for 20% off and free shipping. Guys and girls, we here at Across the Park Podcast have got you covered. And just before Gary does become Chris Tarrant, Gary, you wanted to say a few words about Manscaped, didn't you? <laughs> right on my toes there, but yeah, I'm more than happy to say it's been it's been a tremendous um, addition to my to my um, closet life. You know, it's, it's one of them. You, you certainly got to look after yourself and. I tell you what, my missus is certainly happy. I've I've got that, that kit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think we're all very happy. Um, look, it's an it's an amazing promo deal we've got for you. It, it's not going to last forever, guys. So get over to manscaped.com, uk.manscaped.com, p a r k twenty park twenty twenty percent off and a free delivery as well. Christmas time, sort yourselves out, Gary. I think we've got. Quite a few social media questions that you want to address. Yeah, we've you've sort of half covered some of them because uh, the the sort of aimed at you, Mills. You, you've had a little bit, of, you've had a little bit of stick coming on our social media regarding your, your views on Iwobi. So I I knew my exit for me. I knew it. <laughs> you've got three three messages came in. Uh, this one wasn't so much aimed at you. It was Martin Logan on uh, Instagram. He said, "Did Iwobi do enough yesterday to guarantee a start next week against Leeds?" And then we had one from Philly on the website. He said, is Millsy ready to admit a Moby has something to offer? You'll look stupid to stick to your guns now. Just admit you're wrong. And then the third, <laughs> the third one on the, in the similar vein was uh, Steel Eary on the website. He said, this is to the blue Millsy who hates a Woby. <laughs> Me and a few others have banged on the Woby drum for a long time. And we think he offers us something others can't. He opened sides up again. He's filling in in a role that isn't his natural position, and he's done superbly well. He should get should he should get a run in the team now. What are your thoughts now? 
Uh, look, you, you can't drop him after Sunday's performance. You arguably, arguably couldn't have dropped him after his performance when he came on against Newcastle and sat Calvert-Lewin up when he came on against Manchester United and made a bit of a difference. I, I think he's played well for the past two or three times he's been on the pitch. My problem with him is he's just not consistent. Now, I've seen the Iwobi at Southampton getting chugged off at half-time because he's offered absolutely nothing. I've seen the Iwobi half of the half of last season where he offered nothing in a central position a left winger position, a right winger position. I've seen that at Wobie. And I think I've been quite vocal in saying I don't think he's good enough. And I arguably would would stick by that. But what I will say is I've been wrong before. I've been wrong on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, I'm happy to be wrong on Alex Wobie. But to me, I think a good game against Fulham and a couple of good appearances from the bench doesn't quite change my mind in full. Judgy, I don't know whether you've got an opinion on the matter. Yeah, I agree with you. To be fair, Miles, I seen the message and I thought they were a bit harsh. I mean, it's like you say, it's easy to to jump on someone's back because a player's potentially had a, a few, you know, a few decent performances. I think what I would level back at the the people who did message in, and I'm not taking sides here, is how many good performances he had and how many lifeless performances he had and and, and performances where he hasn't produced anything uh, in the way of substance. And what I mean by substance is, you know contributions which have led to a goal or to a you know a really good goal scoring opportunity. I think he's been slightly better this season and and, and I've said a few times Ancelotti Ancelotti certainly believes in him and and has and has and has kind of had him as as his backup to Richarlison or to James Rodriguez and he's been the first choice, you know, substitute if you like it in that in those positions. Um and clearly he's backed him over a number of options on Sunday. So maybe that belief in him is starting to reap, you know, or starting mm. to um, pay dividends. I don't know, but, you know, listen, all we can say is, you know, I'm sure Millsy will be the first to say, he'd be, and he's just said it actually, he'd be happy to be proved wrong. Um, mm. and, as with anyone who's doubted Alex Iwobi, who is an Evertonian. Um, but I agree with Millsy. I think it's one good performance, and I think there have been a lot more performances that have not been to that level, which which would mean we're probably still sitting on the fence as to whether he's going to be, you know, any type of answer long-term, you know, going forwards or whether he's just going to be a another person who doesn't live up to the potential that, that, that he's shown. Yeah, I, I think he's a right, to be fair. I think we've we've all had players at, at our clubs who you think they haven't put any, any you know, they haven't put any substantial performances together for the, for the team. And you, you'd like to be proved wrong, but... You know, nine times out of ten, you're not, and they do end up moving on. But hopefully, hopefully, he does move on from you, and he doesn't put these performances together. You see, ready there, someone's been, so, yeah, someone's beans on toast. Let's go off the background now. <laughs> the missus is making the bottle for the baby. <laughs> um, for you guys, right, one of the red questions. It, well, wasn't so much a question, more more of a statement. It was from Dave on the website. He said. Uh, Andy Robertson, that's it. Andy Robertson. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was absolutely boss, wasn't he? You know, when his cross for the goal was, you know. But I don't think there's really much more we need to say about Andy Robertson. He's he's been superb for us since we signed him, hasn't he? So you know what I mean. It's I, absolutely, it absolutely was one of them. We seen he was he was potentially a doubt for the game. You know, he he, he still travelled to Israel and he ends up playing the ninety minutes for Scotland against Israel. But before that game, there was there was talk that he was he was going to be another another injury for us, um, which would have been our, our entire back four out. Mm. And I think, Joe, I think what what he's alluding to there is the the importance he's, he is in our team and and the performances he puts together is just it's it's second to none in the league for me for for left backs. He's just 
it just shows how good he actually is. He's so consistent, isn't he? That's the thing. And it's not just defensively, he's, he's consistent offensively as well. You know, he's brilliant going forward. So, just top draw. So, yeah, I echo the listeners' sentiments. <laughs> just Andy Robertson. Yeah. Um, all right, another, another one aimed at you, Mills. It was from uh, Lee, Lee on the website. I, I knew my other exit family as well. <laughs> to be honest, I think I think this might might just be a Liverpool fan. He said, "Does Millsy still think Everton can win the league?" <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking about this because we've got the the advantage of seeing these questions come in and we can prepare the answers. And I know what I said a few weeks back. Someone asked someone asked us a question: Can Everton win the league? Why not? You said, and I replied, I, I replied saying, "Why not?" Because we've seen Leicester do it. And I think if there's anyone who can, if there's any season someone can do it, it it's this. Now, look, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to say, no, we're going to finish eighth? I'm a crap. Of course not. And I, I think, think this season... Both. I think red. <laughs> no, but look, are Everton going to win the league this season? Of course not. Can Everton win the league in the next few seasons? Of course, you've got to have hope. And if you don't have hope, Jürgen Klopp would have walked two years ago. You've got to have that hope, and I think we've got a we've got a pyramid there where there's investment, there's an absolute world class manager at the club who's being backed. And if you're asking me a question, can Everton win the league in the near future? Of course they can. Can they win it this season? No, of course not. No, that you know what though, it's the words can, isn't it? Will they win the league? It is an easy question to ask. Can they? Um, anyone can. Particularly when they ask that question, I think we were top of the league at the time. Anyone can win the league. They can. It's it's an actual mathematical possibility, isn't it? Obviously, will they win the league is is a different question. So I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm defending Millsy again, but I'm using my grammar head this time. Because <laughs> we don't know the meaning of losing. <laughs> come on, come on, get down to good. Sorry, Gary. What was that? Just <laughs> go on. We'll move on. We had a, a message from Adam on Twitter, and he said. Directors at Cater, is it time for Cater to go, lads? Cater isn't on the podcast, is he? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a weird one for me. Um, I'll be honest, I think from, from the player that I thought we were signing, we haven't seen is, is, is my you know summary assessment of it. You know, he, he, he looked like an okay to sort of average midfielder for Liverpool, I think. Um, he doesn't look like the type of world class player that I thought we were signing. You know, you know from what we've seen of him when he was playing. Are we talking about Chinadlin here? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the the problem with him as well is it's not even just his performances for me. Like when he has been given opportunities, it's it's his it's his injury record is is appalling. You know that might might contribute to the fact that he hasn't been able to do what he's done in Germany, but. You know, we paid the thicker ends of sixty odd million pounds for someone who we thought would be the future of our midfield. And at best, he's a bit part midfielder who we're still a bit wary about putting in when our first choice ones are out. So that isn't what we thought we were getting when we signed him. Um, I think he's only got the rest of this season. If it isn't happening for him by the end of the season and he's really established and nailed down a place and, and made himself undroppable, I think we will sell him. I think we will cash in. Otherwise, I think he'll just become one of them players who sees his contract out and then gets off. Because I just don't... At the moment, I haven't seen anything to suggest he's going to be some world class midfielder for Liverpool, and and I, you know, I'd be terrified if someone turned around and said, "That's what you're building your midfield around for the next three, four, five years." Because yeah. I just don't think he's good enough from what I've seen. 
I think the timer of this message is a bit mad for me because uh, unless unless it's because of the injury, you know, yeah, he's, he's yeah, that probably, probably is it. Yeah, yeah. If if he's a if he hadn't got injured and finished the game the way he started the game, I, I don't think you could have been sending messages saying it's a time for him to go because he started well. He was playing well. He was working hard. He was getting good positions. He, you know, he was he was supporting the front three. But again, he's unreliable, isn't he? He's, you know, he's get got injured again. So we don't know how long we're going to lose him for. Now we had a little spell towards the end of last season where he he, he looked like he could be he could be sort of it in form, but. Again, that was when the pressure was off. The league was already won. There was nothing really, no, no really importance to any game. So, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of echo what you've said, Terry. If if he has, if he doesn't start stringing some world class performances together from from when he's fit again to the end of the season, I think you could potentially see us tra- trying to offload him if we can. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. Because uh, the problem with him he isn't just injury prone. His injuries last for ages. He got he got yeah. COVID. Everyone else was out for two weeks. He was out for a month. It's like, what's happening yeah? I mean, I mean he, he had a positive test and otherwise he was fit, but he was out for a month. It was like, oh, all right, how does that work? So, do, do you know what I mean? It, if something, I don't know, it's just like he, he just can't, he can't seem to get a run or get get himself in the right physical shape. So, see what happens, but... He's got to be close to, to, to making that call, Liverpool, I think. Yeah, and I certainly wouldn't be holding my breath for him to, to be starting and making making a big difference in our team. Like, um, Okay, another Everton one. Uh, this came in from EFC Pictures on Instagram. Um, it, it was It's two questions, really. First one is, do you think we're good enough currently to play the possession-based game that Ancelotti is trying to implement? Last few games, the team's teams have backed off us and waited for the chance when we haven't been able to break them down. Is that the question? Yeah, that was it. Um, I think it's a. Uh, I think are we good enough to play possession based football? Yeah, I, I, I think. Currently, I know what he's getting. Yeah, I, I know what he's getting. At. I think it's the the style of football and and whether that you know, for me, it's it's probably more of a a question. It's more levels at our back four or back five or or our back six if you include the defensive midfielders. But you agree said about you know teams seem to have just backed off and let you create your own problems um no i don't i don't think that was the case yesterday against fulham um because when they backed off us we punished them really um it yesterday it was a case that, that they won the battle in midfield and that's when they got control of the game um in, in other in other games i don't know i, I don't I, I i generally think I genuinely think, sorry, that, that it's that it's our lack of organisation at the back that's cost us. I'm not sure the teams are setting up to go and wait for us to lose the ball and then attack on us or then counter on us. I think in the last few games or the games when we when we have struggled, I think it's when teams have got on top in midfield in the last few in the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I can see where he's coming from. Or he or she? Did you say? Did you say it was? Sorry. Yeah, so yeah, I can see where they're coming from, um, but I, I don't necessarily agree that teams are setting up that way. I, I think that the teams who've took points off us have genuinely believed that they can take points off us. Man United, I think, come there needing to win. Um, the goals that they scored were more, you know, I think one of them was a very good goal, and the other one was we, we hadn't really picked up, you know, the marker very well in, in the shape of Fernandez. I think it's Southampton again. It, it wasn't like a counter attack. They, they they actually carved us open. To be fair, um, so now I'm I'm not necessarily in agreement that it's a, like 
you know, something the teams have generally spotted. I think it's, for me, it's a lack of organisation, leadership um, that Millsy pointed to before and experience at the back. And and again, like I said last week, we haven't, we've been, we've really struggled to field the same defensive line, you know, since the start of the season. I'm hoping, or well, I've got trust in the manager to, to, to sort that out, you know, over the next, the coming month, providing we don't have the injuries that you, you guys have had across the park. Yeah, fair enough. The second one was just a, a point on what do you make of the Kadira links? I, I didn't even know he was being linked with Kadira. Yeah, well, he, he, another player who's obviously plays under, under Ancelotti and um, a player who Ancelotti was asked about and Ancelotti said, obviously, he's a good player, etc., etc. One of them things where he didn't really deny it. Um, I, I'm not too keen, to be honest. He's he's 33 now, I think, to Kadira. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen in, in recent years... Very good players. You know, you've just spoke about a you know a young player in in Cater who's come to the Premier League and hasn't really shown the type of prowess that he's shown in another country. Kadir is a very experienced player, so he does come into the bracket of potentially being able to solve some of the issues we've got on the pitch of, as I say, organising and experience. But I don't think he's got the legs to be playing in the Premier League in the centre of the park at, at thirty three. Um, I'd be looking more for a, a player playing at the back to be filling a position like that. Could he play in, in, in a back three alongside two centre-backs? If he could, then he, might, he could be potentially the answer, but I'm not so sure. Fair enough. Okay, and we've got one final one, which I think you sort of touched on in, while we were doing the, the review of the Fulham game. He's only he got in quite late. To be fair, it was John Dotty through the website. He said, "Hope I'm not too late for the podcast." James Rodriguez was quiet again against Fulham, and even got took off by Carlo. Don't don't know if he asked to come off again. Is that a point that he asked to come off in his last game or something? No, he was he was injured against. Uh, it was it was he was certainly carrying a knock at home, and he, he looked like he he, he asked to come up, but he he was visibly kind of. Struggling. struggling to, yeah, struggling yeah. to move. Well, he finished He finished off by saying, are we seeing why he's never made it at the top European clubs? I, th- I think that's... <laughs> I think that's a, a little harsh. But anyway, um, to answer the question, I don't think he got. He, he has to get taken off yesterday. Um, I, I think he struggled visibly in the second half uh, when they had an extra body in midfield. But I think we just struggled in general. He's not a midfielder. And I said it last week when... I was asked the question of, of whether, you know, Hamas Rodriguez could, could play attack in midfield. Obviously he could, but we would be short, you know, in terms of being able to dominate the midfield if if the other if the opposition were, were getting on top in the game. And that showed yesterday when you have a striker or not a striker, an attacking out and out attacking player playing centre mid, whether it's attacking centre mid or whatever, and you're trying to see a game out, you are gonna struggle and you are gonna be left short. He was clearly <clears throat> um struggling to, to kind of contain their midfield because they were outnumbering us. And it was the right decision to take him off. I didn't see him asking to, to get taken off. I seen him continue to run around and, and work hard. Was he getting tired? Absolutely. I think he was getting tired. He looked like he was. But I don't think it was him asking to come off. And I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a reflection of, in his words, why he hasn't done well at top European clubs. I've seen a lot of reasons why he's a top player. I haven't seen many things since he's been at Everton that indicate why he's failed at other clubs. Millsy? No, I think I completely agree. I, th- I think from looking at it, we- we've got a world-class midfielder. We've got him on a free transfer. And I think a lot of opposition fans, not just Reds, I think 
they want that to not work out for Everton Football Club. The same way we may look at across you know, different clubs and not what they're signing to work out. And I think it's very easy to look at James Rodriguez and his fitness and, and things like that, asking to come off. He has to come off against Manchester United because he hadn't trained in three weeks. So he, he wasn't fit. He's just been to, to other sides of the world on Wednesday night and he's playing again on, on, on Sunday morning. So you can't level that sort of criticism at someone for me, whether it be Hamas Rodriguez or anybody. You, you, you can't say that they're not they're going to be a flop or they have been a flop because of things like that. Do you know, do you know what? I think, I think it's, it's, very, it's very easy for people to want yeah. Hamas Rodriguez to fail. Before we before we finish, that was my exact point before about the whole scheduling thing. I think had Jealousy recognised that and his and his backroom staff recognised that, and maybe it was in the plan to take him off at a certain point. He played two full ninety minute games for for Colombia. Yeah, and, and I I think that's what I said before though. Tiredness you can recognise serious injuries you can't account for, Gary. You can't. Tiredness tiredness is an indicator that you're more susceptible to getting a serious injury. The most basic. You know, we we went, we all went for a walk, and you know, we went for a walk in in groups on 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 Saturday, and we were all saying that night, oh, I was knackered, and, and I felt like I was gonna, you know, hurt myself later on because I was that tired. So, it's um, you know, on on a very basic level, and that, and that was my only point before, and I just wanted to make it again, is that we there's enough technology and and modern science at these clubs to be able to recognise, and I'm not saying recognise when they're going to get a serious injury, to recognise when the risks are higher of them getting a serious injury and therefore taking them out of the, the picture. Mm, I, I, I just think there's a there's a degree of conjecture around that. Like the idea that Ancelotti is some wizard for taking... No, I'm not saying him. Because he's all of our players are getting no, injured. Nonsense. Absolutely not. No, I'm not saying that because your players have been getting injured earlier in games. They haven't been getting injured later in games. Selecting them in the first place might be a question. Like, I'm not... I'm not saying Klopp's a clown and Ancelotti's a wizard. I'm saying is there's a suggestion that the reason why he's been removed in the 60th, 70th minute in games is because he's tired and he's more susceptible to get an injury. And that's generally why why good players get removed. They don't generally get removed because they're asking to come off or because, you know, the the, the, the crap or whatever. It's just because they're probably worried that they're going to have a negative impact on themselves or the team. Yeah, no, no, Terry was saying there about Klopp and Angelotti and comparing them. I, I think Terry's completely right. And I think Judgy were in the wrong. And when Angelotti plays Stephen Colker up front, we can come back to the table and argue. <laughs> <laughs> Get him back. When you're in the Champions League in the league, you can come back to the table and argue. <laughs> aye, 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 aye. All right. Um, yeah, I think that, that concludes the social media session. But we've got um, we did get another question off Mark Natty on the website, but there's there's two in there, and we're going to save that for when we're a bit quieter, maybe, maybe the next international break or something, because it is something we could get our teeth into. And it, we've already gone an hour and ten minutes, so you know we it'll probably end up sending us over the two hour mark if we if we go through them two questions as well. So we will touch on that at a later date. Yeah, like Gary said there, we've gone an hour ten. Sometimes we do get messages, and we know you guys listen to us on you know multiple devices, driving to work, taxi drivers, lorry drivers, workers, and and the contentious is that you'd like us to be around ninety minutes. So we're going to keep trying to hit that. So let's move on. Uh, two big games for the Reds this week: Atalanta in the Champions League, and then on on, on is it Saturday twelve thirty? You play again? Is it Brighton? So, t- two huge games for the Reds in, in two different competitions. G- Gary, let's start with you. Um, is the Atalanta game, is that a big game for Liverpool or is that a chance for you, you, can, you can sort of rotate and bring some fresh legs in? I want the dinner ladies playing at centre-back against Atalanta. 
<laughs> I'm not even messing. We've got we've got Matip and Fabinho fit, so I think they they need wrapping in cotton wool until the Brighton game at least. Um, I play that I play Reese Williams. I don't think that Phillips can play. He's not in the squad, no, so. Reese Williams, centre back with whoever else we can put there, who's on, who's sort of on the the fringe of the squad. Um, I think I'm the, glad you're jumping on the sports science wagon, Gary. It's brilliant. This <laughs> <laughs> not so much the sports science. It's more the fact that we've won three and three in the group, so I think we can afford a bit of a a, a rotation. Um, yeah, as much as as many of our first team players who are, who are most certainly playing against Brighton in the league, I, I, I want resting. Yeah, I mean. I, I still think I'd want us to win the game. You know, I don't want to see us like pull a full team of kids out. I just think that would be silly because then it all it takes is to get beaten that game then. And then you sort of like, oh, right, we'll get, we'll pick up the points we need in the next one. And then, you know, if something goes wrong in that, then you, you know, you, you've lost that advantage that you got from, from three wins. I think we've got to accept the fact that, you know, it's, it's a packed fixture schedule. I don't think I want to see a full rest of every single player in the side and, and a load of kids coming in. Um, so within reason, I agree with you. Rest as many as we can, uh, particularly in the areas where the hardest hit, like defence. But still want some quality on the pitch. Get the job done. We get three points in that game. You can rest. You can literally rest everyone then for the for the remaining two. Um, but I think doing it doing it now um, when when you just because you're on the cusp of basically getting enough points is wrong. I think you need to get over the line before you do whole like massive wholesale. But certainly, I can I can fully expect us to do five or six changes. Um, and as as I say, probably more around you know the defensive areas. Um, so it it, it yeah. is. A- be honest, obviously, I've started off a bit strong there, but yeah, I I I would admit that a bit. I think. Certain particular positions you you need to rest. You've you've got to you've got to protect the, the defensive side because that's yep. where we're hit most with injuries. Um, certainly a couple of centre centre mid positions. You know if you if you can get Chikiri, I don't know what was up with Chikiri on the weekend, but if you can I mean, get him back and playing international duty for Switzerland, didn't he? All right. Well, however serious that is, if you can get him fit and playing in midweek, I'd, I'd want to rest at least one of the front three, if not two of them. Uh, maybe put a Riki in as well. Um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't want I, I don't want us playing a, a full a, whatever our full strength is at the moment, but a full strength eleven, because uh, as we've been talking about all through the podcast, we the, the games are coming thick and fast, and when we've chalked up nine points on the board, and you've you've still got to play what I don't even know how you say it, Midland is it? Mm. You still got to play them as well, which, which you'd, you'd fancy you could put a, a bit of a weakened team out and still beat them. Um, yeah, you know, well, use it to your advantage, but just don't take the mech, I suppose, is yeah. what I'm saying, isn't it? Um, but I think... All right, leave, leave, leave Karen in the, in the kitchen then. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll probably see, you know, maybe Alisson might get, a, might get a blow, you know, because he came back early anyway from injury, didn't he? You know, and, and stuff, so yeah. he might get a, a little rest. And I think you'll see Minamino come in, maybe Origi come in. One or the other normal front three will probably play. Um, and then... I don't know what the situation is with Thiago and stuff, but you know, for me, it's almost like if he's on the comeback trail, give him a game. You know, like I'd rather. I know it's like you don't. You sort of want you. You want to wrap them all in cotton wool so that they're all available for the for the league and stuff when we're so close to qualifying for the Champions League group anyway. But you also need them to play competitive games or, or moderately competitive games. You know, to to sort of get up to speed so they're available when you need them in the league. So if there's any players coming back who who are sort of cycling back from injury who need game time. 
I'd be maybe looking to get them in. You know, so whether that counts Thiago in, I don't know where Henderson is up to, whether he's he, he's sort of on the cusp. Um, you know, because it, and, and there was a chance that he could have played, couldn't there, at the, at the weekend, but then they basically said he's not available. So yeah. if he's available, maybe, I don't know, even if you only get 45 minutes into them, I think, I think you've got to, got to use it sensibly to your advantage as well as protecting the players that you need to protect. Um, so... We'll see what happens, but it's a, you know, it is, it, it, it's a massive week really because I think if if, if we can get the points we need, then it, it frees up so so much in in the schedule for us. The last two games become a bit of a knot really, um, and and then we can really rest players and, and and give them a blow, um, and then I think it, you know, it's hard to sort of like make predictions about it, isn't it? Like you're looking ahead because you, you, it depends on what happens in the Atlanta game, you know, in, in terms of the the Sabi put out the result we get. And you know, touch wood, we don't pick up any more injuries. That'll determine what happens with the, the side we put out for the weekend. So it's a tough one, really, to sort of say what you know, what you're expecting, you know, from from the side that's that's going to play at the weekend. Yeah, it, it's we've had that quite a bit this season with the games coming midweek and weekend all the time. Um, but you know, but go, going on the point that we we don't pick up any injuries, you know, we if we sort of have a positive attitude about it and we don't pick up any. Um, it depends on who's back. You're probably looking at a similar team that played the weekend uh, against Leicester. Against Leicester, yeah, I, I, I think so. Maybe with, maybe with Salah, but I think Salah's um, okay to play against next weekend, isn't he? So Salah may come back into the team, but well, you'd, you'd probably think he's definitely come back into the team if he's available. Mm. Um, where that leaves the the other three, I don't know whether he rotates, whether he plays the four the four of them again. Um, with with now Cater being injured, have, have we heard anything on how long he's going to be out? No, I, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know whether they've released details of it yet. Um, I did yeah, hear totally. a rumor, and I don't want to sort of you know this to sound horrible. I did hear a rumor that part of the reason why Klopp was you know a bit agitated last night, even more so, was Fabinho might have picked up a knock. He looked like he picked up a knock on the on on the telly, and then he finished the game though, so it was like thought he was all right, but apparently he might he might be. Um, Sort of being assessed, so you know it's not it's not great, is it? But yeah. you had a bit of a bad news quite often on this podcast, aren't you, Teddy? Well, just, <laughs> just one of them, isn't it? Like, oh, we, at the moment, it's like after every game, you're looking to see if there's any sort of new news, new injury news. Any can it get any worse? Um, Let's get Phil back on for me. <laughs> <it's an> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but, well, well that, that's obviously a nightmare if that's the case, because then you. Your, your your backup centre back is now missing as well as your two first choice centre backs. So yeah, it's a uh, that that that's a bit, a bit devastating to hear. But hopefully you're wrong, and you yeah. know we in that case I hope he plays against Atlanta just to prove you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, if there's any doubt over him, leave him out. You know what I mean, and sort of get him fit for the weekend. But but no, big week. You know, I mean, as I say, we, we want to make it make it sure in in that Champions League group, and then you know. All three points. It's a big weekend as well for us because if we take the three points in the early game, put the pressure on, you know, because you, I think Spurs Chelsea is it? Is it Spurs Chelsea this weekend? I think so. So it, you know, it, it it sort of puts them under the cosh a little bit, doesn't it? I don't know when when they play. I'm pretty sure it's after us. So it, you know, we can get them three points and sort of get to the top of the table and sort of say, right, go ahead. You know, you're starting to crack the whip a little bit, aren't you? And 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 basically yeah. say, well, come on, you you, you know. We've done our bit. You need to sort of keep on our heels now. And when we've got when we got in that position last season, you know that was 
that was what separated us from everyone. We do, I think I think it was after we Leicester on Boxing Day it was a ten game winning streak or nine game winning streak and, and it just you know, we just pulled away from everyone, didn't we, by a mile. So I think, you know, if you can if we can if we can go into that game against Brighton at the weekends and get all three points um, and throw the gauntlet down. You know, it's it, it, well, they, they don't play until R four on Sunday. So I think as you say, if we if we do get the three points, get them on the board, go back top of the league, have them have them chasing us now. The, them two are the sort of two teams who have stood out a little bit at the start mm. of the season and, and you know pundits and, and the press are starting to look at them and uh, are they real title camp uh, challenges are they gonna are they gonna last the, the full season are they gonna be up there towards the end and as you say this is their chance to sort of say well if, if they're the, the two chasing Liverpool then which one of them is gonna stand out and, and sort of carry on chasing us and not fall back mm. so Big week, big game. You know what I mean. We need these all the points and Champions League qualification and going back top and sitting there while waiting for everyone else to sort of play their games would be a nice, nice feeling. You know, come Saturday afternoon if we can get all three points. Yeah, so I think I don't think there's much more to say on our game really. So looking looking at the Everton game, do you use play is it Leeds R five on no, Saturday? Are you doing prediction? Oh yeah, we can do. Um, okay, I'll go two nil Atlanta. Not for Atlanta, I mean against Atlanta. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to go 2-0 in that one as well, to the pool. And then what about the Brighton game? Brighton. Uh, I'll, I don't know, I'll go 2-0 again. I think we'll, we're just going to hope to get through this week with, the, with hopefully injury-free, put some professional performances in, just get the job done and, and it'd be comfortable, but not, not sort of too extravagant. I'm going to say... 3-0 Liverpool. Yeah. Fair enough. Listen, guys, as always, if you agree with the Reds, uh, their predictions, get in touch at Across the Park PC on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know your thoughts, your predictions, if you agree or disagree. Judge, you like Gary just said there, we've got Leeds at home, 5.30 Saturday. They're currently 14th in the league, not having the best of times. They, they drew with Arsenal. They lost to Crystal Palace four one, but I look at those as I look at Leeds as a dangerous team, and they're going to give us a game. Yeah, they 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 seem to have had a pretty tricky start, Leeds. To be fair, in terms of the teams they played so far, I don't know if it's just my perception of it, um, because I haven't got the the actual fixtures they played in front, but in front of me. But obviously, I know they played Liverpool. You just said you mentioned they they played Arsenal. Again, I, I I agree with you. I think they are a, a tricky team to play. They they've got they've got a lot of they play with a lot of conviction, don't they? They know how, they they're very confident in the way that they play and the style of play. That's it. They played Villa as well. They beat Villa away, didn't they? Just three 0 or something like that. They beat. They definitely beat Villa um, away. Um, you you put you put me on the spot there. No, Let's they, have they, a little they, look they, at the. Um... Villa away. Anyway, what I was going to say is that one thing you know about Leeds and Bielsa's team is is they've got a very clear style of play and 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 you know the. Unlike us, I suppose, they're not in a period of transition. They've had a full season of playing like that. I know they've been under Bielsa a few seasons, but last season was their, I suppose, their breakthrough season because they've got out of the championship at last. Um, and, and they definitely have the you know the courage of the convictions. They, they go and commit uh, off the ball in, in terms of the way they press the ball. And, you know, the, as I say, they, they, they seem, to, seem to be very um, committed to their style of play. We're, we're, on the other hand, a team still in transition under Ancelotti and, and I suppose we're still finding our way. We're scoring goals, but we're not really keeping clean sheets at the same time. Um, 
So, yeah, I, th- I think they are a dangerous team. I think you look at the way that Fulham managed to get on top of us in that second half, Leeds will take a lot of encouragement from that. And they've got a midfield that works really hard and, and can dominate teams and, and dominated Liverpool at times when they, when they played at Anfield. So, it's it's a very dangerous game for us. Um, and, and, and I don't think it's a game that, you know, Ancelotti will be relishing because it's not going to be an easy one. Um, you know, the, I think they'll definitely cause us problems, Leeds. And it, it could be a, a high-scoring game if if both teams continue in the vein that they have done. Yeah, we were just looking at Leeds' last uh, results, though. So, Crystal Palace beat them 4-1. It was 0-0 with Arsenal yesterday. Leicester put four past them at Ellen Road in a 4-1 victory. Wolves beat them as well, 1-0. Uh, Leeds won, City won as well. So, if you look at Leeds, it, it's about teams to score. They, they've, they've scored 11 and conceded 14 in the league. Yeah. So, their problem is well, that, that they're leaky. Similar, yeah, that's yeah. what I said. It, it, it is first. Yeah. But, but coming back to what I just said, then you, you just confirmed that they played Man City, they played Liverpool, they played Arsenal. They played Villa away, who've been one of the surprise packages for. They played Wolves. That's Le- a tough start. They played Leicester. They haven't, had a, they haven't had a straightforward game yet. The most straightforward game, arguably, was Palace away. But we all know, after a few seasons now, under Hodgson, the Palace can be you know, a very difficult team to play, particularly at Sellers Park. So, they haven't had, a, they haven't had an easy fixture so far. And, um... Most straightforward game's going to be this one this weekend. <laughs> well, on, on paper. On paper, it probably is. I mean, it's certainly the game that they'll, they'll know what to expect from them. They'll know that we're a team that you can score against, but also they'll know that, it, you know, providing we've got everyone fit, that, that we're a team that they, they, they've got a fear as well at the back. So, you would expect a wide open game in terms of both teams being confident they can score, but maybe not so sure that they're, they're so strong at the back. Um, you know they've got that German guy. Um, I, I don't want to say his name because we're meant to be a family, family friendly podcast. But I think it goes something <laughs> along the, the the lines of Koch. Um, but he he's he's been he, he's their summer signing, their big signing. He was meant to kind of sit alongside. I think it's Liam Cooper at centre back. But he concedes at six for his country, and one of the worst results in in German football history. Get I, him on our manscaping. Uh... Park twenty, <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll, appreciate, he'll appreciate that. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's as as I say, I, I think we can definitely get at Leeds. It's it's definitely going to be a case. It seems on paper, team's going to outscore the other because it doesn't look like either team have got a a clean sheet in them. Um, cue the nil nil. <laughs> is it for you, Judgy, as as simple as same again, same eleven, or because because of what we spoke up spoke about earlier, that the negatives involved, do we change personnel to keep the formation? You would have to you'd have to you'd have to say it depends if Coleman's fit, wouldn't you? I don't know how long Coleman's out for. Um but if Coleman's not fit, then you'd probably say it will be the same again. If Coleman is fit, you'd be surprised if he can come back in the team and potentially go back to a back four. Um <clears throat> in which case does Hammers stay in and and you put you know, Richarlison and Awobi the sides of him and play a four, two, three, one. I don't know. I mean Awobi would be unlucky to come out of the team. I think if 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 Coleman's fifth for me, it's Mina who gives away. Um and you maybe give Godfrey a, a run in a back four as opposed to him playing in a in a back five or or playing right back, which is where he's played so far. I think Mina was the weakest of the centre backs, in my opinion, at the weekend, just on the virtue on the on the basis of the fact that he was most at fault for that for their first goal. Um, hmm. So yeah, it, I think it's a question of whether Coleman's fit. If he's not fit, then you probably would go same again. Would you bring Colgate in? I'm not so sure. I, I don't know. It's 
as I say, I, I trust the managers to spend a bit more time on the training ground with them and, and to get that decision right. I mean, that, that's the obvious question for me. Does Mason Holgate come back in? Because Jerry Mina wasn't very good on Sunday. Uh, ben Godfrey, I mean, he, he's got a few tokens. He's got a few free passes for me. as a young player coming up a division. You know, he wasn't very good on Sunday, but you've got to give him time. But but for me, if, if Seamus Coleman's fit, where does Iwobi play? Is it back to right wing? No, that's what I mean. I, I've just said that. I think if Seamus Coleman's fit, we go back to a back four. Um, I, I think Ben Godfrey probably plays alongside Keane for me. Um, Luca mm. Dean left back, Allen and Decore holding, and then Hamas Rodriguez um, with Richarlison and Awobi either side of him with behind Calvert Lewin. Mm. That'd be for me. It's, it's... I think it picks itself that team either way. Well, it doesn't. In fact, if Coleman's fit, I think it's an easier team to pick on paper. If Coleman isn't fit, it's a question of whether Mina comes out and Holgate comes in, or whether you leave it as it is. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I asked the question because Iwobi was so effective on Sunday and we've finally seen what we wanted to see from Iwobi, driving at players and helping the attack and to move position, to move him position, I think we may lose something. I think the manager might be minded to keep that formation simply because of Iwobi. Yeah, but, yeah, it's just it's it's just the Coleman thing, isn't it? You know, we desperately do miss Coleman as a leader and as an experienced member of the team when when he's not in there. And that would be the the big factor for me. And and you know, Ancelotti said himself, he, he's a he's a massive part of the dressing room and and, and the team from from that perspective. So, yeah, I, I, I'm mindful to agree with you. But you know, you've got to look at the last 45 minutes that we played. You know, we're only you're only as good as your last game. You're arguably only as good as your last half of football. And in that second half, we really struggled. And if Leeds pick up anything from that game, they'd be looking at that second half and thinking, if we can flood the midfield, we can really get it Everton here. Hmm. So for you, is it a case of first half? We've, we've got to go at them. Got to score one or two goals and go straight for it. Not not allow Leeds to, to grow, grow grow into the game. Yeah, we've got to start the game the, the, the way that you know that we way that we played the last 15, 20 minutes of that, of that first half against Fulham. We've got to be on the front foot and make sure that we dominate it with our style of football. And that's me fear. Leeds are a lot more confident in their system and the way they play than probably we are at this moment in time. And that's where they potentially get the upper hand. Okay, so let's finish it off with the prediction time, Judgy. I'm going 3-2 again. <laughs> I can't see us keeping a clean sheet and I can't see them keeping a clean sheet. I think it'll be, you know, essentially a battle of wills. I'm just hoping we... I just think we've got a bit more quality in the final third than they have. Okay, I'll half agree with you. Both teams to score, but I'll go 4-2 for the Mighty Blues. And spirit of the Blues, that little man is all over my Instagram on Saturday night. Love it. Guys, it's it's been you know it's it's been a, a great show as always. We've covered a lot of things. We've covered the, the the previous games, a preview of these games, lots of social media questions. We love it when you get involved at across the park podcast or across the park across the park PC. Sorry, it's been a long show. We're going to close it out now by saying thanks, guys, for listening to this show. We're going to be back next Monday night, I think, and we're going to cover all things again. Massive weekend for both teams. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you then.